right here. Oh, okay. I'm just sitting here. I, um, I don't want to contradict <laughs> anything Robbie just said. Actually, I do want to contradict one thing you just said. I was about to correct him too, so <laughs> you go first. Okay, well, my one contradiction to what you said is that actually you can send them now. So I just, I just want to say, I want you to hear that, okay? Because, um, so I'm about to move uh, my family of seven uh, to Central Asia in about three months. And the place that we're moving to with, with the same company, uh, there's a girl who just landed on the ground there for three months and three recent graduates who are about to be journeymen there for two years that are in training right now. So sending is happening. Uh, don't wait around for some like green light or a vaccine or someone to say, hey, now you can go. Like just you, go. Like, get online and, and look at opportunities. They're there. I just saw an opportunity. This is cool. Um, in Central Asia, it, this is a short-term thing, but, like, the whole thing is built around a trail race, okay? So, like, trail race in Central Asia, it's like 100K, but also there's, like, a 10K, too. Um, <laughs> and they're just, like, asking people to come to a trail race as a way to connect to locals. Anyway, so there's, there's stuff. There's stuff's it's happening. People are going and being sent. Oh, yeah. So get on the website and check that out. Don't wait around. Sorry. I love you. And everything else you said was great. I love you, too. But, so. yeah. Was that what you were going to contradict? Mm -mm. No. Okay. Sorry. I want to hear yours. I, you, you said if it doesn't work out for you to join a tribe. Uh, yeah. I was, there is I was actually going to tell no, them no, 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 they have no, 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 no. Let me handle this. <laughs> <laughs> is it because we're so close together, it sounds like I'm in a tin can? This right is now. new, though, right? Usually yeah. you guys are like 100 this yards apart. Yeah. So yeah. we just had to do this because it's been a we, while. We since just sprung this on Matt. And I said, So he's having to scramble back there. Yeah. Yeah. Matt does You're doing an awesome, great. So Matt does an awesome job, by the way. If y'all haven't met Matt. I'm actually going to get closer. Matt, okay. Matt, don't touch me. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Wow. Uh, honestly, though, you, there is no reason for you to not be in a tribe. Period. In fact, I happen to know that a tribe is a new tribe launching tomorrow night at my house. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I want to go. You can announce yours. I have a tribe uh, launching this week, too. Why don't I get a tribe? I want a tribe. You can come to mine. You're about okay. to leave. That's true. That is, yeah. I would make a terrible Okay, there, there is. starts next <coughs> Sunday, right? You I don't, don't even know. Are you asking your wife? I got a mic, and I can talk, too, so I'm just going to. Okay, <laughs> we turn in your Bible to Malachi. We are, um, oh please, we, we got to pray, because yes. I had. And then we need to, yeah. This is going to be interesting. We're, we're wrapping up Malachi tonight, and um, in all seriousness, um, God gets the last word, mm. always. Yep. And tonight is the last word in the Old Testament, and uh, well, you'll see. Yeah. So let me read it. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to read it, and we're going to get to work. Mm. Father, as we sit here uh, just all day today thinking about um, what you're doing, uh, in people groups around the world. You, you are a missionary God. Mm. And you care about people. And uh, we've, we've heard, if we've heard anything in Malachi, we have heard this. Your name will be great among the nations. Mm. And God, your people uh, have the great privilege of 
helping that happen. So God, as we look at Malachi tonight and the last words of the, New Te- of the Old Testament before uh, John the Baptist comes and then Jesus comes. Lord, help us see with clarity that your heart is a heart for the nations and for your name and your fame and your renown. And that, God, you are calling people everywhere to repent and for those who have repented to go. And so, Father, help us say what needs to be said tonight from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day is coming. Will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. That's a good way to end <clears throat> Testament. Right? Right. Yeah. This is one of those passages where you just like, you almost don't want to. Well, you, you, you need to do it like with what the scripture says, reverence and fear. Like even as we think about there's two people, right? There's, yeah. Those who are his treasured possession and those who are set ablaze. I mean, this is pretty heavy. Pretty heavy. And I think just for for context, let's remember that we're coming out of chapter 3, right? When there was, and and, and all throughout Malachi, we've seen this back and forth. of like the people have these complaints they'll bring and and, and then there will be an answer. And and, and kind of the the most recent one here in in chapter 3, up in verse 13, uh, their complaint is essentially that the arrogant and the wicked are just living it up with, with no, no retribution, no punishment. They're, they're getting away free with their wickedness. And God's people are pretty much saying, like, what's the point of being your people? Like, where is our benefit? We're watching the wicked prosper. And in, in thinking about that, I, I'm, I'm realizing, like, that, that's not such a far cry from the complaint, I think, of many in our world today, right? That's essentially saying, like, why, why is there such evil in the world and God does nothing? Right? Why is Kim Jong-un still alive and allowed to lead North Korea? Why is Boko Haram not just wiped off the face of the planet? Like, why do these things happen? And it's, it's, a, it's a questioning of either right, God's sovereignty or his goodness. Because they're essentially saying either you're a really sweet God, but you're not in control. Because look what's happening. Or you're in control and you're not good because look at what's happening. But either way, there's this questioning of, of God, of his sovereignty, of his goodness. Uh, and, and so many today have that same question, Lord, why, why is this happening? Why is the world the way that it is? And that's, that's what this response here, at least part of this is, this, is a response to that complaint. And the response is first to define evil, right? Because yeah. what does he say here? He says, the day is coming when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. So 
He's, he's put in this category, the people that are going to be ju- like the arrogant, the wicked, the evildoers. They're going to be judged. And contrast that with what? Later, we'll get to it in a second. But the, the contrast of that is those who fear my name. You who fear my name. So we have the arrogant and the evil over here. We have you who fear my name over here. And as I thought about this, I realized his answer here, at least immediately right at first, is one of both justice and mercy. Because if you think about it, they're essentially saying to God, why don't you strike down the wicked? Why don't you judge wickedness? Mm. And <laughs> what if he did? Right? Like what if, what if God said, okay, and then wiped wickedness off the planet? He would wipe everyone off the planet because no one will be left, right? I mean, this is what they missed. The Israelites in this time were thinking, oh, the wicked. They're thinking Babylon. They're thinking the people who had them in exile, their their enemies, the Assyrians. That's the wicked, these external factors, right? The Jews in Jesus' day thought of the Romans as the wicked. It's them. They're oppressing our people. But then the law comes in, or Jesus comes in as well and says, no, no, no. Like, it's in your heart, right? The wickedness is is inside inside of you. And I, just want, I want to say this out the gates so that as we go through tonight that this question will sit on your hearts and that the, perhaps the Lord will use this um, as we continue tonight. For some of you in the room tonight, this day of the Lord that God is speaking through Malachi about, this day of the Lord, if nothing changes about your state right now, that day of the Lord will be for you a day of terror, a day of judgment because you will be counted among the wicked and you won't see it coming. Now, wh- why, why would I say that for those who are like at 8 o'clock or whatever time it is at night on a Sunday, like in a room hearing the Bible? This is why. Because in Matthew 7, a group of people come to Jesus and, 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 and he's telling the story of what's going to happen. They're going to come to him. This is Jesus explaining what it will be like on this day, right? In, in that great day of the Lord. They're going to come and they're going to say, Jesus, we... Um, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We, we did all these things in your name. And what does he say? He says, depart from me. I never knew you. These weren't, these weren't wicked like ISIS wicked. These were Bible-believing, like Sunday morning church going, uh, like small group tribe member Christians who had missed it. Who, who were still trusting in themselves, trusting in those facts, trusting in that they were coming here and doing this and doing that, instead of trusting in Jesus. And he said, I don't know you. So as, as we talk about the day of the Lord, this is a heavy topic, um, and, and I, I, don't, I don't want the whole night to be just like this heavy fire, but I also don't want to walk away and not have asked this question, not have said very clearly, like, do you know and, and are you known? Do you know that you are known? Do you know that when you see Jesus, he'll say, I, I know you. So let that question just be on your heart as we walk through tonight. And the, the reality is nobody gets away with anything. Right? You, you may think right now you're getting away with it and that you will continue to get away with it, whatever, whatever it is. Maybe you haven't put your faith and your trust in Jesus. And I'm going to say something very unpopular right now. If you haven't done that, you, you are going to go to hell. That, that is the only option for you. 
if you do not put your faith in the finished work of Jesus. And, and I say that because I care about you. The most unloving thing we could do from this stage would be to not say that. So I, if you hear nothing else tonight, hear this. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus, do it. Repent from trusting in yourself or whatever it is you're trusting in. Because the outcome for you is this. That there is a day coming and it will burn like a furnace. The entire globe is going to be like Nebuchadnezzar's oven. And it's not a... It's, I know some people get the doctrine of annihilation from this passage. That's not what this is talking about. This is a spiritual, eternal torment. And the arrogant and the evildoer, which is all of us, apart from Jesus. So I didn't plan on mentioning this, but just real quickly, I do want to say, I mean, that, that was me. It wasn't this room, but we'll just pretend. In this, it was like the basement, I think. But 19-year-old. Grew up going to church, leading Bible studies with a campus ministry, completely convinced that I was like doing the thing. Um, and, and, and honestly, sitting under your, your teaching and others, hearing the gospel clearly and realizing my work, like I'm, that's what I'm, tr- I was trusting in that. I was trusting in what I was bringing to the table. And I don't remember the exact, what it was that was said or in what kind, but at some point it, it just hit me like a ton, like, oh, that's not enough. Like, and that's not. That's not the gospel. Um, and I was, I was changed and transformed and saved here because. So, I mean just, so thank you for teaching the whole counsel of God. Thank you for teaching the truth of scripture. Um, yeah, it can be, I guess, offensive to some. But my word, like, if this is true, if this is true, if what God says in his word is true about how we can be saved and what happens if we're not, how hateful, how wicked to not talk about it, right? So, yeah, this is love. And it's love that God speaks through Malachi here to say this day is coming, right? And like Chris said, just to follow up with what you're saying, Chris, uh, at first, is that Malachi has just been this series of, of, of questions and answers. And uh, really where we start here in verse 1 and verse 2 is really an answer to, uh, was it back in 14 uh, of Malachi chapter 3? And so they're questioning, right, how do the evil flourish? And that basically the answer to sum, up, sum it up is to say that the day is coming. That's the answer. The, Malachi is saying the day is coming. And so this, it's this idea that, wow, how are they getting away with it? No, don't worry. Like God will fight for you. God is just. And so there is a future day uh, coming when God will judge everyone. And in fact, um, so we've talked mostly about the unbeliever, right? This is a, a horrible day. A great and dreadful day of of the Lord. Um, So we've talked mostly about the unbeliever, but even for the believer, throughout the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5 talks about how we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of what we've done in the body, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And so 1 Corinthians 3 talks about the same thing, that the judgment fire of the Lord will, will test, will reveal when I've read, when I was reading through Malachi 3 and 4, like preparing for tonight, 
I couldn't get away from that word, this idea of revealing. I think somebody said it earlier, like, we can't hide. There, there's, we can't hide from this. God's judgment will test and reveal the works. And just so you, because I know there's this tendency to go, well, that's the Old Testament God, right? Matthew 13. This, this, these are the words of Jesus. Matthew 13, verse 40. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. So that's, that's from the mouth of Jesus. The, we need to live with, with the reality that there is an eternity in front of us. Right? That, that we will live forever. And, and there are only two destinations. One is the destination like a fiery furnace, eternal torment. We need to know that's real. It should break our hearts when we hear stats like what Kyle shared. The number of people that walk into that eternity without hearing about Jesus should break our hearts and we need to be praying and we need to be giving and and we need to do everything we can to make sure the gospel gets to as many people as it can yeah i mean that's not obviously the only place where we'll see jesus talk about hell if you if you'll walk through the gospels you'll actually find that he talks more about hell than he does about heaven hell and money actually are the two things he talks about more than anything yeah yeah so it's not a Think about that. That's, yeah, nothing he did was an accident, actually. Um, so if you look, I mean, you'll see he's not just talking to, to like, the, the prostitutes that he hangs out with about hell. He's actually most often talking to his followers, his disciples, right? So think for a second about why that is. Remember, all throughout the Old Testament, what do we see? We see God pointing his people back to what they've been saved from, back to Egypt. Don't forget, I'm the God who saved you out of Egypt. I'm the God who sent those plates. I'm the God who parted the sea. That's me. Don't forget. Remember and live in light of who you are and what I've done. In the same way, for those in the room who are followers of Christ, who are saved, born again, who heaven is your eternal home, your citizens of a different kingdom, you still need to hear this over and over again in the same way that the Israelites need to be reminded of Egypt. We need to be reminded of what we're saved from and live in light of who we are. So we don't keep living like we're still slaves to sin, like Paul talks about in Romans, right? Just like the, Egypt, the Israelites would, would moan and complain, oh, I wish I was back in Egypt with the meat pots, right? We do the same thing. We still kind of moan and, and wish, oh, I wish I was still, could still sin. We probably wouldn't say that, but like we st- sometimes we live like that. Sometimes we live like we're not rescued from eternal hell, like we're not made new in Christ, right? So we need to be reminded and pointed back to the eternal Egypt, the eternal slavery of death that we were saved from, right? And, as Vic was just pointing out, not just pointed back, but also pointed to 
to the future, right? To that great and awesome day of the Lord that we're talking about here, to that day of judgment. We need to remember that the day is coming while we rejoice that for us, when the judgment comes, we will be judged by what Christ has done. Rejoice daily in that reality, yes, but be devastated and broken over the reality of the billions that still don't know Christ, that unless something changes, they're headed for that Christless eternity. I was thinking about this. One of my favorite little tidbits of information in, in the Old Testament that pops up again in the New Testament is uh, the story of Rahab, okay? Rahab the prostitute. It's unfortunate that that's her title, but that's just how we all know her of, right? Rahab the prostitute who dwelt in uh, the city of Jericho, okay? Rahab lived in Jericho among pagans, and yet when the spies came to check out the city, what did she say? She said, I've heard about this God, and I fear him, okay? She had heard about it. She had heard. There's a reason for that, because God intended for people, not just his people, for the nations to hear what he had done. She had heard, and she wanted to be a part of it. I want to, I want to be a part of this, but I want to help. Let me help. And she was eventually brought into the family. God later shows up in the genealogy of Jesus, right? So, like, cool picture there. But in the same way, there are billions of Rahabs around the world who know there's a God, who know there's someone, but they haven't been told about Jesus. They haven't been told the way to him, right? They're just waiting. And that day of the Lord is coming. So we have to be reminded. So, you want to hear some good news? <laughs> I hope that's a yes. Um, verse... Two. Yeah, it's just verse one. There's only six verses. It's only six. Yeah, we got plenty of time. But for you who revere my name, remember the whole series we've called namesake. This is about God's name. It's about fearing God's name. It's about honoring God's name. It's about living for God. For you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Now, now get this picture. The, the main physical character in the first two verses is what? Heat. I don't, I, think about that. This is incredible language. There's this fire that's going to be like an oven that's eternal. And then Malachi gives another picture of what's the hottest thing we know? What's the hottest fire we know about? Oh, yes. All right. I was make, making sure you were paying attention during somebody science. Like, there's going to be somebody that is like, somebody, actually, actually, somebody probably knows. Actually, but if you're that smart more, kid, I just stop. Much hotter. Anyways. This, but the sun has healing properties, right? It's Look, so there's this, for the unbeliever, it's going to be really bad. For the believer, there's going to be healing. This, this, is the, this is the trouble with having no notes. This, this is as close to hell as you're going to get right now if you're a believer in Jesus. Think about that. But if you're an unbeliever, this is as close to heaven as you're getting. There is a day coming where those of us who have said yes to Jesus, we will see him 
and we, we will be made new. There's going to be no more pain. Hey, for some of you, hear this. There's going to be no anxiety. Yeah. Right? No depression. No grades. Nobody you got to make happy. Right? Some of you are redeemed. Right? Listen. <laughs> That's going to be a good day. We, in fact, it's going to be so good, we're going to act like calves that have been released from a stall. Now, I don't own cattle, but some of you know this. I own one insane black lab, right? I own five children. You so own five children. Very basically similar, the same thing. Yeah, the analogy works both so, ways. So Kiba is our black lab, and uh, she, she is obsessive-compulsive. She's been diagnosed like... And no, for real, legit. And and we we pin her Wait. up in the kennel. You can't no, move no. through that too fast. We don't have time. We don't have time. It, you, Ask you Nick about that later. In That's the crazy. kennel. And, and so when you let her out in the morning, she does this little thing. She will stretch. She does like this little dog stretch. She does. And then she will run like crazy because she's been set out of that kennel. Right? If, if you've seen my dog, you would know this. Like rear end tucked. Like crazy. Like she will run and she will chase a ball literally until she falls over. And that's what we're going to be like. We're going to be set free. We're going to be running around like my crazy black lab because we're free. I can't wait. <laughs> and one thing that that's jumped, all I got. One thing that, that jumped out to me about verse 2 and the people of joy is basically what this is. Uh, they are identified by those who revere God's name. Mm. And, and so, like, for me, I know with these two guys, I like, I'll probably get one sentence in. But here's my sentence. Um, go, go, I go. love this. Go. Before Chris starts. Anyways, anyways like, I love you, buddy. Um, anyways, like, this idea of fearing God. Um, and as I was thinking about it, it's, it's somewhat like a paradox. You guys know what a paradox is, right? Like it's a seemingly absurd contradiction that when you study further, it's like, oh, this is actually true. So like a few examples of those in the Bible would be like gaining by losing, right? Or exaltation through humility. That's a paradox. And so with fearing God, this idea of fearing God, it's like if you fear God, you will have nothing to fear. At first you're like, that makes no sense. But yet, That's wait, good. oh, it does make sense. And turn real quick to Psalm 34, probably don't have time for this, but this is just a beautiful picture of, of fearing God. And I want to give you some practical things of like the formula here of fearing God and how that means like, oh, you can be a person of joy. That go. sounds really crazy. So Psalm 34, just want to point out a few verses. It's just a beautiful picture of this. Um, starting in verse, let's go with verse 4. It says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fear. So you have that, like this idea of like all fears are delivered, like I'm, I'm, I don't have these fears anymore. Uh, but then you see earlier, like uh, in verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Again, another protection, right? Verse 9, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. So this idea of fear, it's not like um, dreadful fear that we've talked about for 30 minutes, that those who do not know God will face this dreadful fear, the, the dreadful day of the Lord. No, this is a reverential fear of God, that he is holy. Um, the best way I can relate this to you is like the story of my dad. Like there's moments at, when I was really young that he would, he literally had saved my life. 
like literally has saved me. I was an idiot when I was a kid. Like so many times they saved my life. But there's other times where I was disobedient and the man could have destroyed me. Like he really could have, I, I'm here today, so I, like that didn't actually happen, so you could tell that. But, but there's this dichotomy there, like I, I, like I was gripped with fear sometimes, like I feared my dad, but I knew like his punishment, his correction, his discipline in my life was because he loved me, right? And at the same time, like he was also a dad that, that had like saved me in a way, right? right. And so, so it is with God, like this, this, this weird thing of like reverential fear like he's a god that we should fear and be in awe of and and he's amazing but at the same time like he's a god uh who who loves us and sent his son to die for us that he himself bore our sins that god is just and the justifier right so this and this thing is awesome because i think somebody already mentioned that like this day of the lord it should create some emotions for the believer mm. right so, so there should be great joy. I'm telling you, I turned 46 yesterday. My wife and I will tell you this. Like, as we get older, like, oh, man, seeing Jesus face to face, we cannot wait for that day. And that will happen more and more as you get older. You said somebody, they're closest to hell. No, if, you're get, if you get older, you're closer to hell because it's true. like your, things start shutting down. Yeah. It's just terrible. The warranty runs out. Right? And the warranty runs out. Yeah. Um, but you also, like, it should create... This day of the Lord should create this, this burden that we've talked about, that there's so many around the globe dying without Christ. Yeah. I think Kyle shared earlier today, like 1,900 people in India die every day. Four out of those 1,900 are, are, are saved. Yes. That's not okay. No. And so this should create a burden in your heart. Um, another reason you should join a tribe. They're praying for the nations. Yes. They're also praying for people. Yeah. that are lost and so this is like the best way to sustain the fear of the lord the best way to sustain right. this is to be in the context I, of community i i have to share this story i don't know how many of you know this story about our tribes so you guys are getting ready to go over there right and we don't even know if we can find the bean people in fact there's odds are we're not going to and then there's this group of college students praying for the Bing and for Robbie and Joel and Brian Wetzel. And you're praying things. Some of you are in this room that prayed this. <laughs> like, Lord, when they find them, first of all, there's no way we're going to find them. But y'all didn't know this. When, when they find them, God, let them have an opportunity to share the gospel. And God, we would pray that you would save some of them. And I, in the back of my cynical mind, I'm thinking, <laughs> don't pray like what are you doing? You're setting yourself up for disappointment. But here's what happened. They get on the ground, and the first tornado ever recorded, ever. Google it. Google, yeah, Google it. Had occurred a little while before, and they, it's a crazy story. Anyway, God was already working, because God, this is what God does. And they not only find the Bing people, Robbie gets to share the gospel. And here's what God was doing. He was aligning our church with his heart and what he was already doing because some students were obedient to pray and and i'm telling you if you're not part of one of these groups that are praying you are you're going to miss out i'm just i'm telling you you because some of the stuff that god is doing it's just him aligning our heart with his it's not us 
manipulating God like some genie in a lamp. It's us saying, God, you move, you do what you always do, and let us be part of it. And, and I'm just, that's my advertisement for a tribe. If you want to see God move, you need to be in one. And the community is deeper and richer than anything you're ever going to be a part of anywhere else. That's the guarantee. Can I tie that back into verse <laughs> yes. 2? Oh, yes. All right, cool. So I would say praying like that is really just praying with faith in the Son of Righteousness who has healing in its wings. Praying with faith in the God who said that his name would be made great among the nations. Praying with faith in the one who has authority. And here's why I say that. So if you may not know what this little phrase here has to do with. It sounds a little bit like poetic, the sun of righteousness, healing in its wings. Like the sun doesn't actually have wings. So like, is there a fire bird? Like, is this a phoenix? Like what's going on here? But you're all different directions with this. But just, just real quickly, the, the, the wings there, it's used in different places in scripture. It's used even to talk about when in, in creation, the, the, the birds that are created, their wings, but also the wings of the seraphim, the angels that are flying in the, in the scene in the throne room in Isaiah 6. But also, this term is also used to describe the, the fringes of the garments of Jewish leaders. Um, they, they had four of them. And actually, I believe they had different knots that represented like all the different laws. Um, but they, they were thought to have both healing power and authority in, in these uh, fringes, okay? The wings is what they were referred to. Now, um, fast forward a bit past Malachi here into a scene where Jesus is making his way through a crowd. He's actually on his way to heal somebody else, and he gets touched in a crowd of people, right? Some woman busts through, and, and we find out that she's been bleeding. Uh, we, we don't know from where or, or why, or what, but like bleeding a lot for a long time. And she reaches up and touches what? The fringe, the wing of his garment. Okay? Y'all don't get nearly excited enough about stuff like this. Jesus. (laughs) Come on. Jesus knows that power has left from him. We are two Baptists. It's true. This is just angry Vic. Man, that is awesome. He turns around and says, like, somebody touched me. They're like, you're in a crowd of people. Of course somebody touched you. He's like, no, power left from me. He wow. sees the woman, and he looks at her. He says, your faith has made you well. Faith wow. in what? Faith that the son of righteousness had risen with healing in his wings. Faith that Malachi 4 was fulfilled in Jesus Christ the Lord, right? Yes, there's a coming day, but he, there's a already not yet of the kingdom in Jesus Christ. He has healing in his wings, and he has authority in his wings, which is why in Matthew 28, he said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So when you pray for the being to be saved, you're praying with faith in the Son of Righteousness that can heal the land, that can heal the peoples, and that can bring the being and all the rest of the unreached, the 7,000 around his throne. So yes, pray that way. Yes, let's go. Join let's the tribe and pray. Go. All right, we, I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to put a bow on this. We ready? We're out of time. Let me. No, here we go. Listen, I, I don't. Left. I know you do. Y'all see Chris after? Pages. He's. We got pages and pages. Look, I don't know what the trampled down the wicked ashes under the soles of your feet. Like I got four or five pages on that. Don't want to talk about it right now. Um, remember. This is, all right, this, God's about to go silent for 400 years, all right? Mm. Listen to what he tells them. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and the laws I gave him at Horeb, for, that's just another word for Sinai, for all Israel. He's saying to them, 
It's about to get really quiet. You need to remember the law. Here's why. Here's what the law does. It shows us who God is, all of his character, all of his righteousness, all of his holiness, and it shows us who we are in relation to him. Remember the law of Moses. I'm going to send the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day. There's enough evidence in the New Testament that that's John the Baptist, right? Jesus himself says in Matthew 17 that um, they they keep saying, well, when's Elijah going to come? And he goes, well, I'm going to tell you, Elijah already came. And it was John the Baptist. And then the angel, actually, when he comes to John's dad, Zechariah, says, the spirit of Elijah will be on him. So, wait, was that the great and terrible day when Jesus was born? No. There's There's another day coming. The end of days. When you get to Revelation, there are two witnesses, right? And those two witnesses, I don't... There's a lot of evidence that say those two witnesses will be Elijah and Moses. They will be the precursor for the return of Jesus. Here's here's what all that means. You, you, You can start a cult by trying to wrap your head around all of that, right? Here's what's important. If you, we talked about it last week. Look back up. I want you to see this. The distinction between those who are going to see the day as an oven and those who are going to dance like calves. The distinction between those two. Do you want to know where it is? God says, verse 17, I will spare them, 17 of chapter 3, Just as in compassion, a father spares his son who serves him. Here's the reality. You and I are disobedient. Obedience, Jesus, obedience dies for disobedience so we can live in obedience. Here's the call tonight. If you have not trusted in Jesus, please put your faith in him. All you need to do is just cry out and say, Jesus, I have been trusting in my own work. I have been doubting you. I've been shaking my fist at you, God, thinking I'm going to get away with it. But I know I'm not. And so, Jesus, please save me. You don't have to pray that. Here's the reality. If you were drowning, you'd know how to call for help. So do that tonight. And if you have said yes to Jesus, here's what you need to deal with tonight. What are you going to do with the rest of your days to make his name great? Because his name will be great among the nations. Let's pray. Father, We don't, have enough, we don't have enough time to talk about how awesome you are. Not in this day. But in eternity. 
All, all we will be able to do is talk about your greatness and your goodness and your mercy. God, give us a glimpse of that tonight as we, as we sing to our great God. God, I pray you would save people. I pray you would do a work in our hearts to, to give us a greater passion for the unreached. Show us what you want us to do to make your name great. It's in Jesus' name we pray.